Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy, and I am the founder and the chief love officer at LastFirstDate.com. I am devoted to helping women and men achieve healthy, off-the-charts love, especially in the second half of life. We have a fabulous show coming up for you today. I'm going to be speaking with Rochelle Chartrand. She's the author of Chrysalis, and it's a diary documenting her 39th year and how she worked very hard to heal herself and process her past relationships and emerge as a healthy, beautiful butterfly at the age of 40. As a dating coach, I specialize in helping women date as the high-value women they are in every other part of their lives. And just as Rochelle struggled with her dating, um, she was a high-powered woman in many other parts of her life, as as my clients are. She was a capable screenwriter and write author, and um, she taught English as a second language. And um, so when a woman comes to me and she is struggling with her dating life, there's often some things that she is not even aware of. And that's what I love doing is helping women become much more aware of the things that they can change. Because you can't change your partner, but you can change yourself. Um, And so what I've done is I've outlined the three most common mistakes that women and men make in dating, especially at midlife, and how to actually turn them around and their exercises Um, to turn them around and help you to find love. So if you would like a copy, this is totally free. It's it's on my website, and um, all you have to do is go to lastfirstdate.com and sign up on my homepage because I want you to go on your last first date. So let's talk about Rochelle. She is an award-winning screenwriter and the past president of Women in Film and Television in Vancouver. She received a Bachelor of Education with a major in physics and a minor in math from the University of Alberta. Her eclectic teaching experience includes working with English as a second language students abroad as well as at-risk youth, young offenders, and autistic children at home in British Columbia. Rochelle lives in Vancouver where she continues to emerge. Join us now as we discuss how to heal from your past relationships in order to attract an emotionally healthy relationship today. Welcome to the show, Rochelle. Hi, Sandy. Thank you. I'm very excited. Thank you. Me too. So this is your one-year birthday of your book, right? Yeah, it was uh, September 23rd that I released it, and so um, I've been doing a week-long celebration, and it ends today. I have a contest oh, going. Cool. And, I'll tell people about it at the end. Okay. Well, that's exciting, and happy birthday. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I loved reading your book. It really, um, it was Aww. difficult at times because you were, you were very, very raw and really told your truth, which was the vow that you made at the beginning of this process. And I think that that's such an important thing. We often try to sugarcoat things because we want people to like us or we don't want to offend anybody. And um, so 
so I, I admire the fact that you were so honest. Um, and I saw your struggle you. as, should I tell this? I don't know. Is this too much? Should I talk about my parents? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, and, and I think that's a struggle for every writer, you know, how much, if you're writing memoir, then how much do you actually include? So I'm sure you left some things out of the book. Uh, well, um, <laughs> can I just jump in there? <laughs> um, yeah, when I please. made the vow at the beginning of the year that I was going to be 100% honest, no matter what happened, that vow came from a place of being completely exhausted with being a fraud my whole life. Um, being a liar and then lies on top of lies to cover the lies and trying to project this, you know, I was a physics teacher and, you know, um, then president of women in film and an actor at one time and just try and screenwriter and just always trying to project it, having it all put together. And inside, especially in my, the last decade, um, inside still in, in a lot of ways, 14 years old, still dealing with the, the traumas that had occurred to me and then the ones, the choices that I had made in the subsequent years and just pushing them down. And I suffered from bulimia for 10 years and alcoholism off and on for, well, over 25 probably. And so I was just completely exhausted. And so when I made that vow, um, it was for myself as well as there's no to me there was no point in writing this if I wasn't going to be honest. What was the point? I can't I don't like reading a memoir when I can tell that things have been chosen of what to be put put in there. So for me mm-hmm. and that was another reason why I wanted to do it as a diary is that I I didn't know at the beginning, to be honest, when you say, oh, I'm going to be 100% honest. I didn't really know what was going to come up that year. Otherwise, maybe I wouldn't have made that promise. But I made it. And so, actually, I didn't leave anything out. The only thing, and and that's 100% truthful, the only thing I left out is if it had something to do with somebody else. So if it was a story that wasn't my own but but really affected me, for example, in the story I allude to a situation um, the best friends of my parents had broken up and it affected me after 35 years of marriage he left her for another woman and but I didn't go into extreme details because that's not really my story to tell so Mm -hmm. if it was about somebody else then I I might have written it in my diary but it didn't go in the book everything that had to do with me it's in there so it's mm-hmm. it's kind of fascinating because in the years since, other stuff have come up, and I'm like, hmm, that's really interesting that that didn't come up that year, and I guess because it wasn't meant to be in this book. And this book was really, um, to me, it was a gift from wherever, <laughs> the idea of doing yeah. it and to well, share think, it. Yeah. it. No, and I love that, and I think that, you know, when you didn't talk about your one of your ex-husbands, um, you know, the whole cheating thing that you were talking about in the right. book. Um, and you didn't mention which ex-husband because that would have been their right. story to tell, not yours, right? So it was it wasn't necessary to the story, and I think you handled it really well, as you did well, thank stories you. about your parents, you know. And I think mm-hmm. most of us have parent stories, and you, know, you don't <laughs> want to. You, and it, and it is it's a fine line that you walk. So, um, but let's talk about some of the major themes in the book. Okay. Um, so. Can you just discuss what are some of the major themes? Sure. I would say the the big one is that that I discovered was that we have the the uh, power to heal ourselves, 
and that when we do all our relationships heal as well. That was really interesting to me that, you know, whether you're talking about romantic relationships or family relationships, it's always an inside job. And it was really quite miraculous <laughs> that the more healing I did on, on the inside throughout the year, it had started years before that, but intensely that year, just kind of magically my relationships around me started to change as well. And and because we project. And so whatever insecurity we have or defensiveness, if that's something that is still um, hurting inside of us, we're going to project it onto the relationships around us. And I think that the most beautiful representation in the book is my relationship with my second husband. <laughs> and at the mm-hmm. beginning of my year, the divorce had just become final, and I held him highly responsible for, for a majority of the problems and I had major resentment towards him and but as the year goes on it's and I heal it's kind of interesting how he keeps popping into my life <laughs> and that's one mm-hmm. of the most beautiful arcs and I don't want to give it away but as you know like how the the year ends it's almost like a Hollywood movie <laughs> and it's yeah, just really yeah. beautiful but it's like the relationship changed because I did and it was just mm-hmm. and I started to perceive our past differently that was really fascinating to me and I think that that's what's really cool about it being done in a diary form is that you're taken on this internal journey with me and so it's not me years later saying oh and then I realized blah 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 it was like when I'm in Mm -hmm. in the process I remember in one point I'm like okay I I don't want to relive the whole relationship but what about this one event could I look at this one differently and because I had changed my perspective I saw things he had done that I couldn't see before and that were not part of my memory <laughs> because I was still attached mm-hmm. earlier to the anger and the rage and the frustration so it's really quite mm-hmm. miraculous it's yeah. And it's empowering. Yeah. It's like even now when I get caught up in like, oh, I want to change this person or I want I wish he would do this or she would do this. It's always an inside job. And and then it's yep. interesting how when you let go of the internal frustrations, the frustrations of the relationship fall away. Right, which cool. helps you in the long run. Which yeah, and that, and it's so true. And you know, having gone through a divorce myself, I can totally relate to that, and mm-hmm. um, and I'm watching my kids now processing their relationship with their father, and that's the overarching oh, wow. message that I keep trying to teach them is, what do you want the relationship to look like? You get mm-hmm. to decide how you want to interact with your father, because you can't change him by imposing change upon him, but you can show up differently, you can have different boundaries, you can have different ways of interacting that will upset you less and stop expecting him to be somebody he's not. I mean, I think that's, that's a big one. For sure. And and what you're yeah. making it mean about you, that the situation, because we always have control in our response to to a situation, and it's really huge. And one thing I learned that year is what am I making this mean about me? Like, in particular with my my relationship with Josh, my soulmate, <laughs> um, oh, yeah. who we are like really, really great friends now. This is another beautiful thing that oh. came out of the book. Oh. But um, it's what 
and it's so funny to me now because we meet all the time for coffee. We re- he really is one of my soulmates, but I realize that he's a friend, soulmate of like a very important male friend, soulmate. But I look at him, I'm like, wow, I can't even <laughs> believe that year and what I had thought. But what was important about that was that I, what I made it mean about me, him, him not um, responding the way I wanted to is is that I was making it mean that I wasn't worthy and that that was the exploration. And that's why he popped into my life that year is because that I needed to learn that. And that's why coming back to about how I healed my relationship with men, a huge thing in that is looking at all of the experiences throughout my life as, as little gifts and as hard as they were at the time and gifts is such a, a hard word to use because people always assume that means positive. But whether you look at how I lost my virginity, which, to be honest, like I dealt with it that year, but I still dealt with it in the in the couple of years since. And it's really gone to a point that I, I just really know that I needed to experience absolutely the lowest expression of self-worth in order to appreciate and go on this journey to experience this and I'm not there yet but this high uh, um, realization of my true self-worth and so that's like it's hard to spiritually look at at your past that way but but truly I believe that that's what it is and so that's why I'm you know I look at all these relationships with men even now is like what am I meant to learn from this it's never now, sometimes it means to learn boundaries and this isn't healthy and I need to leave the situation. But sometimes it's like, okay, well, this is just making me uncomfortable. And it's making me, it's bringing up some fears and doubts where before I would run away, it's like, you know what, I'm not going to run away from this. I'm just going to, you know, experience these fears and, you know, these doubts that are coming up. And obviously this person is in my life to teach me that. And mm-hmm. For some reason, that's my journey is really about men. I've I've realized that, and that's why the experiences I had at such a young age, as traumatic and tragic as they were, they're they're part of my journey, and and I'm very grateful, very grateful. Yeah, and and, it, and the big turning point comes when you stop running away and you stop oh, and yeah. face the fears and face the emotions, and you know your struggles in the book with I don't want to look at it, but then you called in all those shadows. Um, which is really <laughs> fascinating. But um, I just want to get back to the major themes because we started, oh, sorry, and sorry. I just um, no. So, <laughs> um, so we have the you have the power to heal ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking that another theme is is life lessons, um, learning from every experience. Is that would would you mm-hmm. consider that? One of the themes. Well, for sure, I think that that's something that I talk about in the book. I feel that for me, that had started years before, which was one of the reasons that I was open to writing this book. But also, um, when I say uh, say out to the universe, you know, I'm going to create the best year of my life, give me what you Mm -hmm. got. And then the idea of inspired ideas come (laughs) to me. Mm -hmm. And so I've always kind of known that life lessons and being a teacher as well you know i a lot of my trouble started when i was a youth and then when i worked with at-risk youth i could see the things that i was saying to them 
were things that I actually should have been saying to myself. You know, you teach what oh. you most need to learn. And so, like, mm-hmm. so that idea of life lessons had started before. I would say that another um, theme of my book is that instead of going out to look for love, to go inside and discover the most profound love, and that's self-love, because mm-hmm. really that's what happened to me that year. My healing was about learning to love myself, and, and sometimes <laughs> it's like in overt ways in the book, you know, like I really do dedicate the summer to being in a love affair with myself when things with Josh don't work mm-hmm. out and, you know, different things. But all of that work, like that shadow work, is all coming together in order to truly appreciate and accept and and love myself and that no matter what happens, I will always be there for myself. And that's, you know, and it's still a journey. It's still learning. But that, that self-love, you can't love somebody else if you don't love yourself. And that's also how mm-hmm. the book started was that I was home for Christmas and, and unable to connect with my nieces and nephews and that I could see their love, but I couldn't feel it. And that's right. another really beautiful thing. I think that bookends the the book. Um, but I needed to go through that journey and reconnect with myself, fall in love with myself, and then and then it's unleashed. And then you open your heart, and magical right. stuff happens. And, <laughs> yeah, and also what you just touched on, which is learning to receive love, and because love mm-hmm. is around you, and a lot of people can't let it in, and. Oh, and it's my friend came up with this cool analogy. It's called bandwidth. And she called like mm-hmm. her. She needs to increase her bandwidth for love. And I thought that that was really mm-hmm. interesting because like love can flood towards you, but if you can, if you're not, you know, if you're scared of it or it's too overwhelming for you, you just can't handle it. And and that was the thing with my nieces and nephews. I'm like their love is pure. Why can I not receive it? But I had built this wall up and it was like very thick over decades but in particular two two years of we're just shutting off shutting off shutting off and and hiding that it took a lot of work that that year but again yeah. i'm profoundly grateful <laughs> yeah no and it take it's it takes a lot of bravery to face your fears and to and to go deeply within like you did and um you know and learning to receive love i think this is you know, it's such a feminine thing um, that we are built to receive, and I think you touched on it in the book, um, that our anatomy is built to receive. And I think yeah. that we often, right, so it's like for women who are constantly giving, nurturing, doing before receiving and basically devaluing our, our ourselves without letting mm-hmm. love in. Um, and so I think your value increases when... You receive. You don't. Oh, you don't start out with the giving and the doing and the, you know, the doing is actually a masculine energy and um, being is a feminine energy. So mm-hmm. it's uh, well, and it's a know, breathing, it's right? Like you can't mm-hmm. exhale. You can't always exhale and never inhale. Like, like love yeah. is breathing. You exit. Life is breathing. You need to exhale and inhale. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of this martyrdom or this. Uh, I don't know. We. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the word is, but we um, put so much value on give, give, give. Oh, she's so generous. She's so generous. She just right. gives and gives right. and gives and gives and gives. Or him, you know, so giving. It's like, yeah, but if they never receive, you're you're shutting off the, the nature of it. You know, mm-hmm. you're just going one direction. No wonder we're exhausted and 
Yeah, exactly. Feeling unfulfilled yeah, and, and like lonely. That. Yeah, well, and remembering to exhale and also remembering mm-hmm. to um, to ask for help, to delegate, to, to, you know, all those things that come mm-hmm. with not just being the giver. Vulnerability. become depleted. Yeah, and you become empty and depleted, which mm-hmm. then you can't give from that place. Um, so let's talk now. I'm going to shift a little bit to shame because... Okay. One of my favorite topics. Um, <laughs> Everybody loves to um, talk about it. I, I, love it. I love it. Well, we spent so many years of our lives never talking about shame, and um, and Brene Brown brought it out to yep. the to the populace. And you know, thank God for that because now people can talk about these things, vulnerability and shame, which are two big parts of your book. Um, and so I want to talk about the shadow work that you did and. Um, Cool. And just explain a little bit about what that shadow work was. Um, mm-hmm. If you can just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So there's the the idea of shadow. First of all, is that whenever you're um, there are parts of ourselves that we've shut down or or labeled bad, and usually this happens when we're really young. But it's anytime you say I'm not that, or you know, like I'm you know, like, I'm not a bitch, you know, I'm like sweet. And, you know, I'm, I would never steal. I'm a good person, you know, and so we label these things bad, and they become our shadows. And often the thing that you hate most in others, or you um, resent, or you call evil, that's actually a part of yourself that is crying out. And now that's very hard to accept. You know, there was, you know, as you read in the book, like abuser and different prejudice, you know, there were things that were just like, shocking to me like that is not me i am not that kind of person but then when you do the the shadow work which i'll go into a little bit you realize that on some level this was a part of you that you shunned and we are actually whole beings there are times where i can be a bitch and that's a good thing there are like times that i should be you know and so we are all this we're a whole being and we've just divided up. So the process that I did was um, Derek Rydell, who I talk about in the book, introduced me to it. Mm -hmm. And it's a way of going, it's a meditation where you just go down and you go deeper and deeper into yourself meditating and you imagine that you're going down into an elevator and that you open up. And I remember the first time that I did it, I was in a state of panic. Like I never wanted to go inside. Inside was dark and dirty and evil. And when you have a lifetime of shame and guilt that you have just like suppressed, you don't want to go inside. That's why I drink and, you know, was bulimic for so many years. But so that first time was I was very, very anxious, but when the elevator opened and I was in this beautiful sanctuary, I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Inside of me is is a safe place. And then you call forth whatever shadow you want to work on, and um, you ask it some questions, and you just, and it's not always easy. Some of the processes took, you know, I don't know how long I was in meditation for, maybe 30 minutes, but also the... um, the answers came to me later but it's like you just kind of ask the the shadow you look at it see what it looks like and sometimes they look at look like you at different ages sometimes it can be a different kind of character (laughs) and you just Mm -hmm. ask engage it in a conversation and um 
when you're truthful, when you're really coming from a place of I want to understand you and how I hurt you and how I shunned this part of myself, it's amazing the answers that come to you. And that, I would say the shadow process along with emotion coding, were, which I can talk about as well, were the two biggest things of my healing process. Like the shadow, mm-hmm. because my you know my thief and my slut and my all of these parts of me that cheater um liar loser fraud all of these parts of myself that i had shunned and just couldn't even deal with now i like i have just no problem talking about it and it's funny to me because like you brought up uh, Brene Brown and I actually hadn't even heard about her work before so it's that whole thing you know like uh, collective consciousness I think as a society or as a um, the world we're ready for this now because that like my book dealing with those um, issues or those themes as well is really fascinating to me that I was like wow I'm going to put this out there and I don't think people are going to like me talking about shame so much but but they have because mm. the timing of it is just really interesting. So yeah, yeah the the shadow process. To, I think sorry, just that people need permission to be able to talk about all the parts of themselves. And I think that um, yeah. one of the things that Brene Brown talks about is that the expectations that society places on us is, you mm-hmm. know, as women we're supposed to be sexy in the bedroom but never in the boardroom you know, or at the PTA meeting, and we're supposed to, you know, cook these amazing meals and have it all together and never break down, and men are never supposed to cry, but we want them to be emotional. I mean, we have all these crazy mixed messages. So when you can really (laughs) just be cool with who you are and just say, hey, this is me, and I do cry, and I am a sexy woman, and I own my beauty, and I am this, and I am also that, and, you know, and just be okay. Um, so, yeah, that was great. And the emotional coding, if you can quickly talk about that. Sure, just quickly. But I, I really think people should look that up. It's just emotion code um, by Dr. Okay. Bradley. Oh, I can't remember his last name off the Because it, it, there's a book, and you can read through it. But basically it means that we've trapped emotions throughout our life. Every time you've suppressed something and not processed an emotion, it, um, it traps somewhere in your body. And he used to be a chiropractor, and he believes that 90% of all illnesses are actually trapped emotions on a cellular le- level causing damage. And um, so he created this process through muscle testing, which is kind of a, you know, a lie detector using your own body. Um, and you're able to release these emotions. And now this is something I still do on a daily basis. And I just think that this was a gift from above or I don't know where, but just that we are able to have this process of releasing trapped emotions. Because for me, bulimia was all about not experiencing emotions. That's exactly what it is. So there's 10 solid years that I didn't process one emotion there, let alone alcoholism and unhealthy relationships and all of that. So mm-hmm. I, I think I preemptively cured myself of cancer, definitely. So people should definitely look it up. Um, it's, you know, it's like emotional freedom technique. There's all these different energy releasing, Mm -hmm. um, processes and, and I just, and maybe it's my physics background as well that I can intellectually understand what's going on, but also I have experienced 
experienced it, like defensiveness. When I release a defensive emotion, it hurts as it's been released. Like it feels like an electrical shock. So I'm like, what was that doing on a cellular level? And it just opens up um, your ideas around situations. It's like you just mm. become lighter and it's really and clearer clarity. It's It's really powerful. So those two things, yeah. that and the shadow work definitely were the huge gifts that year that I discovered as far as self-healing yeah, methods. So I'm going to be writing a blog post about this, and I'll link to the um, source for Motion Code oh, okay. um, so people can learn more about it. Um, oh, thank you. Unfortunately, we are at the end of our half hour here. Are that you went serious? Really fast. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's so much more to talk about, so we're going to have to end. But um, okay. this is just, there's so much, and I really recommend that people read your book, Chrysalis. Um, it's A Dark and Delicious Diary of Emerging Emergence by Rochelle Chartrand. Yeah. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Yeah, Chartrand? beautifully, thank okay. you. Yep. Um, and um, so, Rochelle, just share with our audience how they can learn more about you and buy your book and anything cool. else you want to share. So my book is, of course, you can order it online through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, in Canada, Indigo. It's in a few bookstores, local bookstores, so you can always check out there. Um, also through my publisher at Balboa Press. Um, my website is my name, RochelleChartrand.com, and it's actually the website is mostly for the book, but I have blogs on there and a photo album that goes with the book. So if you're interested in wanting to know what these people look like and some of the experiences, it's really fun. Um, and oh, then okay. also on Facebook, you can it's Chrysalis, A Dark and Delicious Diary of Emergence, and I post lots of stuff there as well. And I'm doing a contest right now that ends today, so... Sandy's going to uh, post this interview and a blog, I believe. And then if you like it yep. or share it up until midnight Pacific Standard Time, I'm giving away um, some $100 gift certificates to Barnes & Noble Ooh. and Amazon and Indigo. So you can go to the website right now, and there's already different, or to my Facebook page, and there's already different things you can like and share. But for sure, this interview, if you do that, so before midnight tonight, and and buy the book and talk to me and email me. I love to hear what people think about it because it really is a personal journey that I feel was a gift to to share, and I like to hear other people's journeys. Oh, well, thank you so much, Rochelle, for sharing the gift of you to the world. And Thank you. Um, and to keep emerging, and I didn't mention this before, but the first name of my coaching practice was Chrysalis. Oh, um, no way. I, <laughs> Isn't that funny? A lot of people have no idea what a chrysalis is, but um, I explain it in the book. <laughs> yeah, you do, and I love the idea of metamorphosis, and you know the fact that we have the ability to emerge as something beautiful, and we are beautiful inside. It's really yeah. pulling away all the layers that we put in front um, to really bring out the best of who we are, and so. Hopefully your book will be a catalyst for other people to do the same. Thank you and, so much. Uh, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you for being on the show today. And thank you, everybody, for listening so in. I'll be posting, uh, yeah, I'll be posting all this information out there in the world. And please share and listen and have a great day. And, and I hope everybody goes on their last first date very soon. Have a yep. wonderful day. Bye-bye.